Good morning, everyone. It's good to uh, it's good to see you here on the Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I think we may have a house divided where I'm at, <laughs> so uh, it's kind of fun that there's actually a Los Angeles team in it. But we also have some uh, Patriots fan in our house, so so it could get kind of dicey. No, it'll be fun. But uh, just you're welcome today to Church in the Valley. We're really glad you decided to join some join us this morning and spend some time with us. Uh, my name is Jeep Underwood, and we're going to continue a series that we've been doing on the family and just our life together. Uh, last, last week, we looked at uh, conflict in the family and how that can be really, unresolved conflict can really be like stormy weather that's really unsettling and makes it, uh, makes it hard to get around in. And actually, it was like a precursor to this week when it just won't quit raining. Uh, but what happens in the family if there's unresolved conflict is it, it prevents the family from thriving and becoming all that you want it to be. And it, it takes away a lot of, it just takes away the enjoyment of family life. And so we looked at how resolving conflict and pursuing peace really breaks the stormy weather and really provides the right atmosphere for our family really to thrive. And one, a key verse we looked at last week was, uh, was, uh, Romans 14. Uh, 19, which should be up on the screen, uh, says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So just, we just looked at how when we, uh, when we, when we work to make peace, it actually provides an atmosphere in which we can really build one another up. That was something we looked at last week. And we looked at building bridges of reconciliation and how the wisdom from above is really in the lives of the people who make peace. And so that's really a very important part of just living in family life. Well, today we're going to, today we want to look at family from the, from the vantage point of expectations and, uh, which those can lead to conflict. But we're, we're looking at just expectations that we have in the family. There's a lot of things that all of us really want or we desire and we can really turn those into strong expectations that we put on people in our family. And family life's already complex enough. You know, there's just plenty of things going on in the family. Uh, if you have a family, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when we all have different roles to play, we have different things. There, there's some legitimate expectations that we have of one another. And then I think we all agree that family relationships really are complex. In fact, you know, when you start off, you get married and you have, you have a very small family. You have a family of two people. You start off and you have two relationships. You have your husband's relating to your wife and the husband, wife's relating to your husband. You have two relationships. Then you decide we're going to have a kid. Then you have a kid. Well, what happens is you think, well, I'm just adding one person to the family. But what actually happens is you add about four relationships to the family all at once. So you've got, uh, so each of the, do you guys hear a little ring? Sorry, is, maybe, I think they're, they're working on it right now. If not, I, maybe you can just hear me twice. So, um, so we have, uh, there are six relationships. Each person in the family has two relationships that they have. And then you decide after a certain amount of time, you decide, you know what we need to do? We need to have another kid. And so you have a, you have a second kid and you're not just adding one person. You're actually adding six more relationships to the family. So each, each person in the family actually is relating to three other people. And so you wind up with 12 relationships. And then if you decide, you know what? We're going to have a third kid. Well, then it, it starts to start to amping up a little bit. All of a sudden, you go up eight relationships. You have 20 relationships because each person in the family has four people they need to relate to. Now, this is this is as far as my wife, uh, Kate, and I have gotten. And uh, 
that's our plan <laughs> to, to leave it there. Uh, but you know, when each of those relationships that are there, each of the relationships really have, they have the expectations that, that go back and forth along them. And so it gets a lot more complicated, a lot more complex the, the more your family grows. So this morning we, we want to look at like, how do you respond, uh, when we expect something from a family member or life and, and we get let down or it just doesn't happen? How do we respond to unmet expectations? This morning, in just a minute, I'm going to have us watch a, a clip from a TV comedy that I think is fairly humorous. But, you know, something about TV comedies, what they do is that a lot of them are centered around families. And they take things that we all struggle with, the things, things that we can really relate to, and they, they pull it out and they make it funny. But right behind it all, there's actually some serious, serious things going on. So I want you guys to take a look uh, and see if you can relate to this, this clip at all. This is from the middle. Have you ever been there? <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out what in the world. You know, mom mom has a lot of unmet expectations. Um, it seems like someone might be directed to dad. If you catch some of the things she was saying, you know, and financial planning expectations, there's just things that she's, that things aren't really coming through the way that she uh, was really hoping. And then the kids, you know, the kids really have some expectations too about how mom's going to relate to them and you know, that's not really what happens. She's think, they're thinking, you know, mom's going to comfort us. Mom's going to show us things are going to be okay. And that's just not what happened. You know, it can, you know, it can, it can really be that way in your family sometimes. And, uh, you know, a major, a major question that we want to look at today is how do you respond the right way when my family doesn't meet my expectations? Uh, cause there's, you know, hard things come. There's things we deal with all the time that come in. Now, we all have deep needs. We all have deep needs that we tend to expect our families to meet. Uh, we tend to expect our families to meet these deep needs that we have. 
And when we have these unmet expectations, it can really cause family life to unravel, uh, just kind of uh, pull apart from one another. We all have, all of us as people, we have at least two deep needs that we have. Um, one of those deep needs is just security. We just need to know, we, we really have a need for unfailing love. We need to know that someone really accepts us for who we are and accepts us right where we're at for who we are and that we don't have to perform some way to actually get their acceptance. And we just to know that we're really going to be taken care of. It's a real need that we have. And then another need that we really have is a need for, uh, a need for significance is that we really, want to, we really want to do something valuable that will have a lasting and meaningful impact in the lives of other people. We really want to do something that just that really we have a meaningful life. We want to do something that really helps other people and really makes a difference. And, you know, a lot of what we do in life is really driven by our desire to have our deepest needs met. That's really, a, that's what's really behind a lot of our, our desire. A lot of our, our, our actions are to get these deepest needs met. So who's going to meet our deepest needs? That's, that's a question that we really have to answer. Now, it's very common, like when you first get, when you first get married, you begin to think, you know, I found this person and this person is going to meet my real need for security. You know, they're going to, uh, they're going to take care of me. They're going to accept me for right where I'm at. And then the honeymoon ends when you discover that they're a person that has deep needs too. <laughs> they really have deep needs. They really need those same things that you do and that they aren't, you start realizing they aren't always thinking about how to meet my needs. And you realize that you actually aren't always thinking about how to meet their needs. And so you begin to see that there's really kind of a deficit in like what you can actually do for one another. And then it, sometimes you can think, well, well, kids, kids are the answer that we'll have kids and they'll grow up and they'll admire us and they'll really make us feel significant <laughs> and uh, make us feel like our, our lives have really been made a difference. And, and then, you know what? I'll tell you something. I love having kids. I love having kids and I'm very grateful for ours. But one thing you learn as you, as you have kids is that they're people too and they have deep needs. They have deep needs that really need to be met. And, uh, we all, so we all are in the family of just having, we have real deep needs and it's real easy to try to put those expectations on one another. What I found, what I found in my life is that when I wrap my heart around my family meeting my needs, meeting my, un, my expectations, my need for significance and security, it really does, it causes things to kind of start unraveling. And uh, it's something I have to deal with. And so this morning we'll look at like relationships, how they begin to unravel when you have unmet expectations. And there's a flood of emotions that come in because you feel like it's deserved, like you deserve to have these needs met, these expectations met. And so there's this flood of emotion that can come in. And during that flood of emotion, I think it's kind of caused by when you're putting, when the family's putting expectations on one another, it can actually turn family life into more of a contractual agreement or feel like much more of a contractual agreement than, than really a loving, a loving relationship. And so these feelings kind of get churned up when people aren't coming through with their end of the contract. And you, you can, uh, it, it can really lead to real damage. In fact, some of the feelings that kind of get churned up are you can get really angry. You can get really angry because things aren't really going the way you, you want. Uh, you know, maybe you asked your wife to pick up something from the store and, and, and she, she forgot. Maybe uh, you asked your husband to talk to one of your kids because uh, they really need, they need some help on something and, and he didn't do it. And so it's, it's just you get frustrated about things that are, that are happening, that aren't happening the way you'd like them to happen. 
And then another feeling that can really get churned up is just disappointment. Like you just, you, somebody can feel like, well, I just can't rely on them. And you, you start going through some disappointment. And then if you're not careful, that can really just run into some resentment. And you start beginning to think, oh, they, they, they always do that. Or I can never really rely on them. Or they intentionally don't do what I want. You know, and you start, you can really get into some resentment. And, uh, and that would, ca- and that causes those, that flood of emotion that can kind of go through us can really cause a lot of wrong responses that really do damage, uh, in our family. Like one thing is, you know, we could just lash out verbally, uh, maybe, uh, maybe not yelling or anything, but we can just start maybe some sarcastic or biting or even worse remarks. Just, you're really frustrated with them and we just kind of let them know. And, you know, what can happen over time is that the family just starts walking on eggshells around you because you're going to get angry, you're going to get frustrated about things. I know with me, it's really easy. You know, you're, you, uh, you're at work and you're working hard all day, and then, you know, you come home, uh, maybe it's on a Friday night, and you're thinking, here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm been working hard. I'm driving home, fighting traffic. But when I get home, what's going to happen is the family will be there. I'm going to open the door. And they're all going to say, Dad, how are you doing? And you walk in and, and, uh, they're like, Hey, would you like, would you like something to drink? You know, you're like, Yes, it'd be great. But then you, you just, you're going home, you're thinking, you know, actually, well, I don't think I'd have that quite unrealistic expectation, but, but you, you go in and you think, I'm going, we're going to, we're going to really connect and I really want to do that. So you get home, some of you get home and no one's there. And, you know, they've forgotten that they were going to go somewhere. And you're like, no one's here. And then you, so you're in the house going, I'm all alone. <laughs> or, or you get there and the house is full of people because the kids, <laughs> the kids, <laughs> the kids are all, uh, the kids are, you know, they brought all their friends and stuff over and you're like, Oh man, I just, I was hoping they would spend time on me. And this is something where I can get, I can get really tripped up. In fact, I usually have to apologize because sometimes I had really had the wrong reaction at first and, and actually having the kids friends over is something I really desire. It's, it's something that's really great. It's great for our kids just to begin, just be relating and bringing their friends over. And I, it's just, it's, it's great. But sometimes my initial reaction is just really the wrong one. And then another thing is, another thing that you can do, like as you uh, begin to, as this flood of emotion comes over from unmet expectation, is you can begin to withdraw. Just kind of withdraw from people. And, and when you withdraw from people, it can, it can really uh, be a painful thing. In fact, it can almost feel like an attack. Uh, because you're just, you're just like, well, I'm, well, I'm, if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna do what the things I want, then I'm just gonna kinda do my own thing. And a real, one of the real problems with that is, you're now not meeting someone else's expectations. And so that's part, what happens over time is the family just, that's where the unraveling begins to start, is you, you begin to kinda pull away from one another, uh, when, with these unmet expectations. And then, Trying to, you know, another thing that can happen is you get to this flood of emotion is you try to control things. You try to control things and make sure that happens just the way you want or you get just the thing you want out of it. And, uh, from the, either that person or from that situation. And so what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at another video and it's just a picture of what it looks like. A picture of what it looks like when you try to control something and try to make it happen. It's kind of a humorous video, but Let's go ahead and watch it and uh, watch how this marriage proposal goes. Oh, it's so insane. This is there's nothing better than this, right? This is the greatest. Unbelievable. Look at this. 
I can't believe it. Madison Marie, will you marry me? Oh, babe. You hired a photographer, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. I am so sorry. Do you, um, you mind actually coming a little bit closer? I just I don't know if it's going to share that well. If it's like so far back. Madison Marie, will you marry me? This is still from the back. Do you mind if we just switch spots so that the cameras? Madison Marie, will you marry me? Oh my, my hair is up and I didn't realize. Do you mind if you scoot back so we get the skyline in the background? Madison Marie. Cut. Sorry, I don't like my middle name. Uh, can I take a look at that? I just want to see if it's... I wanted this to be a surprise, but at least you could have given me a hint. I don't look good in any of these. Okay. I'm sweating right now, and this can't be good for my complexion. What are you talking about? The lighting is, like, really harsh. It probably looked like a Picasso painting. It's... <sighs> Cloud-wise, what are you thinking? More? And yeah. See, when, you, when you turn around, is right. it already going to be open? Yes. Madison Marie. I'm already wearing it. Oh, wait, all right, take it. Okay. Give me the ring back and oh. we'll start from the top. Okay. okay. I read a blog, the perfect time for engagements is like 5 to 5.30. I'm trying to do something fun for you and you ruin it. Ruin? Every... Oh my gosh, okay, I don't know if I can even do this anymore. All right, here we go. Well, you're going to be that, you're going to be turned around. Right. So I'll just start right. a minute. Right. Thank you. You got a double chin in this one? Switching things up, we're going to have camera guy here, sound guy right here, John, continuity stick, right knee. I'm going to go left hand. It's going to be bigger, right? Can you Photoshop that? As soon as he opens the box, we're going to have a sweeping zoom motion and then coming all the way up, revealing the beautiful skyline. I'm going to say yes, and it's going to be great. All right, from top. So then I'm going to either go here or here. What do you okay, think? How about, or we could go this way. Right? I feel like no one sees me, though, because my face is pointed out. No one needs to see your face. <laughs> say it a little bit more like you believe in it. Like, do it. How would I say it? Marrying you would be hashtag relationship goals. Who says that? You will! <sighs> Rolling! I just want it to be like how they do it in the movies. I don't know, I'm just not feeling the production value of this. Production? What What do you want from this? Oh, uh, I don't know, first thing that comes to my mind? La La Land. La they didn't even get married! Spoiler alert! Cut. Madison's engagement. Take 43. Great, hurry. First positions. Put that somewhere. First positions? Likes. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, fortunately for that guy, uh, that wasn't real. Because <laughs> I can imagine how that marriage would go. I can't even imagine uh, just driving home from the wedding. But, uh, you know, you can, you can really see how she was trying to control. She's trying to control everything to just turn out exactly the way she wants. You know, put, controlling just puts a lot of pressure on relationships. It puts a lot of pressure on relationships. And, you know, family members may go along for a while, but they won't want to spend much time long term uh, with someone who's controlling. So, you know, it's just something you really, you really want to watch out for. And they'll likely, over time, they'll get angry and they could get really disappointed and resentful. It can really just be it's just more of that cycle of just pulling the family apart. Now, now, everything I've just described is none of us want our families to be that way. None of us want our families to be that way. So how do we avoid the damage done by unmet expectations? I would say this, and this is what we're going to talk about today, and that is to turn to God when your expectations aren't met. To turn to God when your expectations are not met. Really take those to Him. You know, God's involvement in our family life 
goes far beyond just explanations from the Bible on, on uh, relational dynamics. And it goes way beyond just teaching us how to behave. It really is. God is, God is a real person who interacts in our lives. And he really, in our family's lives, and he does it in real time. He's really involved in our lives. And he really wants us, he really wants us to have good lives. And he's really, he's really there and he really cares. And he really wants us to have a strong, enjoyable family. Those are things he really wants. So if you begin, as you pull back your expectations from your family, the question is like, what do you do with those needs and those desires? So when I, th- when I think of unmet expectations, one, of the, one, one thing that really comes to my mind is, is uh, something that happened to me earlier in, early in my career. And that was just, uh, just tell you a quick story of like how things kind of played out there. Uh, I was, at the time, I was a journeyman engineer. And I was actually working on a project called Blue Diamond Dam, which a few weeks ago I showed some pictures of Blue Diamond Dam. And if the storm goes all the way to Las Vegas, it might get used. Um, I haven't checked. But this is, uh, I was put on that project. I worked on that project for uh, for quite a while. And they put they put a project engineer who was kind of the project leader over that project, and I worked with them. And then he decided, he took this job opportunity to go to Japan and within the Corps of Engineers. So he went on this job. He goes to Japan. He'd be there for three years. And I kept waiting to see who they were going to put in charge of the project, and they never did. The upper management never put anybody else in charge of the project. They just left it in my hands, which wasn't really my job description to lead a project, but it was a great opportunity to really learn just how projects went. And so I, it was something I was really excited about. So I began to really learn how to, how to design and, and how to lead a team in many ways. And then uh, about six months before the project went to a con- contractor to build, Upper management decided, well, you know what? We really need to have a project engineer that's leading this thing. And so they assigned someone. His name was Roy. Really great guy. I learned a lot from him. And he he helped me. I learned a lot about how to take projects across the finish line. So we went across the finish line together. And then Roy decided it was time to hang it on the wall, and he retired. And I was thinking, who would be the obvious choice to take Roy's job? Well, it'd probably be the guy who led the project for a year and a half. And, and then took it across the finish line with him. And so I just had this strong expectation that I was going to be able to uh, take over that position at, at some point. So I was really waiting to hear when the job was going to be announced. Well, after, after a little while, a few weeks, my boss came by my office. Oh, my office. Yeah, I had an office. I, sorry, I, I had a desk. He came by my desk, and uh, he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Can you come by my, my, my desk? And I said, yeah. I go over there and he said, you know, hey, I need to apologize to you. He said, I, uh, you know, we put Roy's job out and advertised it and I forgot to tell you it was out. And I'm sorry, but, uh, I've just decided I'm hiring somebody. They're coming in from Chicago. They'll be here next week. I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. And I, you know, I went, I said, well, thanks for telling me. And so I, I went back. I remember sitting at my desk, and I remember going through anger, disappointment, and frustration, and 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 I began to feel resentful, but just really disappointed. Like I didn't even get a chance, and and I began to feel. I started having some really wrong tendencies in my thinking to do wrong to do the wrong response, and that was, well, if they want a GS11 engineer, I'll give them one. You know, I I won't lead anything. I'll just do whatever it is they tell me to do. And so as I'm struggling with that. I was reading, at that time, I was reading through First Peter. 
And I was reading through First Peter in my just my morning time with God. And I came across a passage I want us to take a look at this morning, and that is First Peter 5, 6, and 7. And it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And as I, as I read that, it just, it really resonated with me. And I felt like God was really just responding to me. And I, and I'd been praying, you know, God, this is just so wrong. Uh, and as I read that, I felt like it was a real, a real answer from Him that what I needed to do is I needed to keep being, I needed to keep working the same way that I had and just really humble myself with Him. And that there, there was, there'd be a time in the future when if He, if He wanted me to be, uh, promoted, then I'd really get that. And then just to take that anxiety that I felt about that and just hurl it on him and put it on him because he really cared about me. And that really, that really helped me a lot. In fact, so I, I, I actually, I began memorizing that verse because I knew that this was something I really needed to take with me. And so I began going to work and I just continued to just work the same way that I had. And then about eight months later, uh, another guy decided he was going to leave. Uh, it was in a different design section. And he left, and they put the job out. This time, I, I was a lot more proactive this time. Uh, but I went, hey, when are you guys going to put that out? And, and I, I applied for the job. And while I was, when, I was in the, when I was in the interview, the, the section chief of that section just said, hey, well, why didn't you apply for the job that was in your section? Because you're obviously qualified to, you know, to compete. And I said, well, you know, it was just a communication snag. And we, I just didn't realize it was, I didn't realize they were doing it. He goes, well, okay. And I wound up, I got that job. And as I look back, as I look back, that was a very pivotal move for me that I never would have seen. You know, I can look back and I can see how that move into a different arena really opened up a lot of other doors down the way. And it was really just just God taking care of me and doing things at the proper time. It made a huge difference. So, the you know, the, the verse right before 1 Peter 6 um, Peter just quotes the Old Testament. He says this. He says, uh, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so, you know, when you humble yourself before him, what, what he does is he gives you grace to really handle the situation. He gives you the grace you need in the moment. He gives what you need in the moment, and he gives just an ability to do what you need to do. That's something that he does for you. And so the first when he when he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, it's really like declaring your dependency on God. And it's, Peter's really saying, you know, tell God what you need. Really spend time and really let him know what you need. Who better than the one who designed you with your needs and desires to really know how to meet those needs and desires? And then he says, cast your anxieties on him. So your, your, your anxieties, your concerns, your fears, um, just your needs. Just take all those things and really just... The, the word cast just means like hurl. It's just like throw them on him and really leave them with him. And be specific as you're talking to him. Be real specific. Tell him what you're struggling with. And you can, you can even vent to him. Just, God, this is so wrong. This is not happening and I really need it to happen. And then just know that you can do that because he really cares about you. He's really listening to you. Your needs and your desires really matter to him. Even, even when you, it looks like they might not matter as much to your family or the people around you. They really, really matter to him. And so really just take those to him. And then he says at the proper time. You know, maybe it's something you have to wait for. It might be something you have to wait for. And 
just remember that He's with you in the waiting. He's with you in the waiting. And just knowing that He's in control of what's happening to you, it really uh, it frees you up from having to try to control things yourself. Just knowing that He's in control and that He cares. And so one thing is you connect relationally with God like this. As you connect relationally to God like this, what it does, and giving your expectations to Him, it gives you a real stability to your life. It gives you a real stability in your life. There's a uh, a real uh, kind of a buzzword now is resilience, is learning how to be resilient in your life. And that's when you are relating to God this way and He's involved in your life in this way, it really gives you a real resilience. It gives you stability in life. <clears throat> in fact, there's a, there's a minor prophet in uh, the Old Testament named Habakkuk, which... Uh, has a lot more K's than I can remember how to put them, but but he's he's a, he's a man who when he wrote he wrote the book of Habakkuk, it's three chapters long, but it's basically a conversation between him and God, and he's going to God with these unmet, unmet expectations, and then he relates to God back and forth, and he he comes to the place where he under he understands what God's really going to do, and some of his expectations aren't going to be met, but he also connects to God in a very relational way. And he, began, he just begins to really understand how God really cares about him. And he really leans into his relationship with God in the face of what's coming at him. And so I'd like to, what he says at the very end of Habakkuk 3, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Those are all the things that you'd really need you need food and you need you need things like this but he says he says if none of that happens in the next verse in verse 18 he says yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be joyful in god my savior i will rejoice in the lord he he his relationally connected to him when you can rest in god like that when you can develop a relationship where you can rest in him like that it really is, it gives you stability to your life, kind of like a big keel does in, uh, in a sailboat. Now, I'm not a sailor, but, uh, I, I've always wondered what that, like, when you look at the sailboat, you pull it out of the water, there's this big piece that sings way down in the water. And the purpose of that is it really brings stability to that, to that, to that vessel. And that's what this does, is it puts this deep vein down in your life where you have some stability in your life. And it really allows you as God meets your needs for significance and acceptance to really do that for other people. You can really do that for the other people in your family. You can really help them. Um, and you don't have to try to get that from your family because you're really getting that from God. And you re- what happens is you have a real source to really draw from, to really spend in the lives of other people, including your family. I heard... Uh, Several years ago, I heard a, heard a gentleman speak on marriage, and he had an illustration that just really stood out to me. It's really carried with me. Some of you may have heard it, but it's, he says, when you get married, it's like, it's like you have a man and a woman, and you have, like, there's a, each of them is carrying, like, a cup. Each of them have, like, a cup. And one, you start, each of them, like, half full of water, and they can pour into one another. So the one's like, you know, honey, I love you because you, you really make me feel special. And you really care about me. And then you're out of water. And then you go the other way. It's like, you know, honey, you really listen to me. And you really, you really show me how I can make a difference. And then you're kind of out of water. 
And so he was doing this with, he actually had physical cups. And then he reaches behind him and he grabbed a water pitcher off the shelf. And he goes, now this is God. And he took it and he said, he says, God pours into your life the things you need. He says, and then he took the cup and he says, now you can pour in to the life of the, of your wife or your husband. And that, to me, that was, I had just, I had just gotten married. I'd only been married for about a year. Uh, when that, uh, when I heard that illustration and it's just so helpful, so helpful to me. And actually that really applies to the family as well. It's like as, as each person in the family will pursue a real relationship with God where they're really interacting with him, where he's meeting their needs. It gives them what they need to really pour into the lives of either other, other, other of each other. And it's the opposite effect. So it pulls, what happens as that happens, as you pour into each other's lives, it pulls the family together. And unmet expectations pull the family apart. But when each person is really getting their needs met in God, it pulls the family together. And uh, it makes a huge difference. You know, one, one way this could look is, is as you're relating to one another, just take performance off the table. You know, you might, maybe you're going to have, you need to have a conversation with someone in your family and you say, Hey, I know we got to talk about this, but before we do, I want to talk about something else. Okay. Tell them, you know, I just want you to know that no matter what we talk about, no matter what we say, I won't change the way I feel about you. And, uh, I accept you. And that's just not going to change. Are we, are we clear on that? Yes. Well, good. All right. Well, now let's talk about the issue. And that, what it does is just takes performance off the table. And it helps them know that you're not there just to exact something from them. You're just trying to solve a problem and trying to help them with something. That's one way, that's one way this could look. So how do you avoid the damage done by unmet expectation? It's really, it's taking our expectations and our desires and our needs to God and just really developing a real relationship with him where he's really meeting those needs and then just pour into lives of one another. So with that, I'd like to ask the band. I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and, and come back up. And uh, we'll go through some next steps. But if you haven't finished filling out your connection card, please uh, go ahead and feel free to finish filling that out. And get, you can drop it in the offering buckets when they come back by. But, you know, maybe for you this morning, maybe uh, maybe a next step for you is just to identify uh, an expectation that you've been putting on someone else in your family. Maybe that, that's been unmet. You know, identify something that you've been going to them to satisfy that only God can. And then maybe for you a next step is just to take your expectations and your needs to God, to begin developing a real relationship with God where you meet with Him and read His Word and really get to know Him and His care for you. Or maybe, you know, maybe this morning, maybe for you just to start that relationship and just to offer his, and just to accept his offer of forgiveness and really make him the boss and really accept him. Maybe that's where you're at. Let me pray and we'll get back to the service. Dear God, Father, I just, uh, just very grateful to you for what you've done in my life and the lives of people here. And God, I pray that you'd really use each one of us to pour into the lives of other people and to our families and really grow our families that, families that really pull together and not pull apart. In Jesus name. Amen.